What's happening, everyone? Welcome to the weekly discussion podcast. My name is Pastor Kyle. And my name is Pastor Holly. <laughs> Hi, Pastor Holly. Hello. You sounded so exciting, excited there just telling your name. Did I? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's very exciting. It's exciting. It's a, my name is more uh, exciting after Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, totally. When you could say Holly and it means... You or so Christmas? Many so or many things. Would Holy I am giving Holly? my yeah. name like Starbucks or either? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What yeah. name could I add? And I'll say Holly, and probably half the time they'll say Molly. Oh. Oh, Holly, like in at like at Christmas. I'm like, yeah. Oh, so that's my. See, if I was like a name. if I was a Starbucks like barista taking your name on a cup, I and it was Christmas time, I would do stuff like Holly. Jolly. Oh, that definitely happens. Oh, it does? Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, yes. Yes. Holly Jolly. I had a friend in college who walked around campus singing um, Deck the Halls with (laughs) of Holly and thought it was so funny. He thought it was just the funniest thing. You're like, this is very original. Yes. So I've never heard that before. It's so great. But it's Uh not after Thanksgiving yet. So coming right up. And Starbucks does have all the Christmas stuff, the red cups and everything. They do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And not only in the U.S., it's everywhere. Uh, And I know because I was just in in Thailand. Oh, they launched Christmas early even outside of the U.S. I thought that was a uniquely American thing to start Christmas in like July. Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, I didn't know until I was in the airport, uh, both both going over there and coming back. But coming back, I, uh, I had to wait a little bit in the airport before my flight left. And they had this little Starbucks kind of kiosk mm-hmm. thing in the Chiang Mai airport. Yeah, all red cups and stuff. And the music that was playing over in the little like covered area, it was all Christmas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So. I I used to uh, oppose starting Christmas before Thanksgiving. Yeah. But something shifted in during the pandemic when people started like putting their lights up early and then yeah. keeping them up all winter just yeah. to bring some cheer. <laughs> I was, I loved it. I yeah. loved it. So now I'm like, yay, Christmas lights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so great. Yeah. <laughs> so my my wife, we're, we're kind of leaving for Thanksgiving at a separate times here because uh, my kids have some um, um, orthodontic appointments down in Oregon, oh, yeah. which we do because my mom worked for an orthodontist down there. So yeah. we, uh, and if, we and take And anyone listening who has like had kids and braces understands. Yeah. Yes, totally. So she left uh, earlier and uh, took our oldest daughter with her and... Um, so uh, I, I have my young, my younger two here still, and one of the things that my son wants to do while Christina is away before we leave, we're following like four days from now. Yeah, um, he wants to put up lights, Christmas yeah. lights on our house, okay. so that when we come back after Thanksgiving, uh, we could just you know turn them on as kind of a surprise and be all Christmassy oh, and oh, and not festival. tell mom, he not tell mom. mom. Yeah, I he doesn't you. want to tell mom, right? Oh. Yeah. That's Isn't that great. That's fun. I are you gonna it. do it? I think yes. Yeah. We're gonna do it. We have to get some lights because the ones that we have are super old. But we'll we'll do something. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, he wants to help, and so it's like this. Yeah, man, let's do it. Yes. Teach him how to do the lights, and that's like yes, fantastic. Yeah. So then you great. Never have to climb up on your roof again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Send just leave them up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you. Were, or just leave them up all year. <laughs> I mean, you could do that. You could do that, but. Oh, that's so funny. Well. Um, yeah, so uh, Pastor Holly, uh, I'm excited about our conversation today uh, because it's just connected with a couple of really cool things. Number one, we're still in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Um, um, y- you sh- you preached a couple weeks ago uh, on the story of Stephen, mm-hmm. which was amazing. 
Uh, and then last week we had Pastor Mark Morrison preach, and he he talked about um, a, a person rather than just like a, a story from one of the chapters. He talked about Barnabas. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't listened to either of those messages, I just encourage you to go back on our website or our podcast and listen to those uh, just incredible messages that will, I think will really encourage you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, Pastor, Pastor, Mark's Pastor Mark's yeah, message yeah. <laughs> will definitely encourage you. So we encourage you to go and listen to this encouraging message. <laughs> You'll be so encouraged. You'll be encouraged. <laughs> <laughs> so great. It's really, really good. It really people is. have been talking about it all week yeah. and uh, we had great conversations even just this morning yeah. about how encouraging that message was. So yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and I'm so thankful for that. Uh, I was gone. Uh, I was here last Sunday, but Pastor Mark was preaching because I had just returned from a trip to Asia, and yeah. you, you preached on the Sunday that I was gone. Uh, but I had uh, gone back over to Asia again this year <laughs> uh, to, to attend what was called the Better Together Converge Conference. And this was a really cool thing. This is now an annual thing that our Free Methodist World Missions Asia team is putting together where... Uh, once a year, uh, they get together as many of the leaders and some of the pastors uh, from as many areas in Asia as possible, the areas where we have work or some of right. the countries that we have work in. And so, man, this was great. It was held in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and it was a three, four-day conference. Uh, we, there was about 150 uh, people there that included everyone from FMW in Asia, uh, the, the the missionary team, a few of us from the States, and then a whole bunch of people from all over Asia. Yeah. It was amazing. Yes. So cool. I love that this happens and is a regular thing now, especially given that that's what a thing to pull off because people oh, come man. from all different countries with all different requirements of how to leave and enter countries and yes. all of all of those complications. Yeah. Lots of different languages and Lots. so many things. I mean, this is a, a huge geographic area and a lot of different countries. Yeah. So that's really cool. I mean, we know how difficult it is to get a large group of people together within the United States where none of those considerations <laughs> are true. It's right. just a matter of distance. Yeah. A lot of complications and and a lot of people came. I love it. I love it. So great. And yeah, and you know, uh, because it's Asia, we have some countries where it's no problem to travel in between uh, different countries Mm -hmm. uh, from their home country to Chiang Mai and some countries uh, where they are what we call creative access. And so where it's more dangerous or difficult to be a follower of Jesus in those countries. And so those countries are more difficult or uh, sometimes impossible to get in and out of. Right. Um, and so uh, there were some people, yeah, s- some people from all of those uh, uh, types of situations uh, that some were able to make it and some weren't able to make it. Um, but just that w- we were able to be in the room all together uh, was unreal. Yeah. Uh, because it represents a major part of the 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 world work <laughs> that we have um, uh, overseas. So just incredible. Yeah. Lots of different translators, lots of different, you know, those kind of, that kind of thing. It was really fun. I I went there to try to, you know, build some, continue to build relationships with people I've, I I know and love and and get to see, you know, as many times as I travel over there. Um, but then worked really hard to build new relationships with leaders and pastors from other areas and other countries as well. And uh, I was just very thankful for that opportunity. Yeah. I also am very thankful for the way that Crossview is partnering with Asia Area 
not only in our support for uh, some of our Asia area leaders, but in these partnership trips and you know those kinds of things. And it's kind of cool uh, that Crossview is known as a church that is uh, supporting uh, that Asia area. Yeah, and that's so very cool. It's really fun yeah. to be able to be there and and do that. And yeah. So one of the things, uh, and this is kind of leading us into our conversation today, uh, yesterday shared a message uh, about uh, something that's really, that's happening here as we go through the book of Acts, something that's happening more and more to the early church, something that uh, is important for us to talk about, but is also very important in the context of the Asia group that I was just with, because these people experience this topic way more than we do here in America. And so part of what we want to talk about is to help us reframe or think differently about the idea of persecution uh, in, uh, on the church or in the church or in the, in our, in our countries. One of the things that we see, we're in the beginning of chapter eight in the book of Acts and uh, chapter eight's a really cool chapter. There's a couple stories about Philip, which we'll get into in weeks in these in next week. Um, But there's this, Two verse beginning to the uh, to chapter eight uh, that just talks briefly about some of what's happening to the early church around the idea of persecution. So I'm just going to read uh, Acts chapter eight verses one and two, and it says Saul, one of the witnesses, uh, we know Saul eventually becomes Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saul, one of the one of the witnesses, uh, agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. So we are just leaving chapter seven, just after Stephen has been martyred. Yeah. Uh, Saul was there and standing, holding coats and in full approval of, of what was happening here. So Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. And then it says, A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Yeah, it's kind of just a little intro to chapter 8, wrap up chapter 7, intro chapter 8, but it is huge yeah. and really, really pivotal moment in the the life of the church. Yeah. We've kind of been seeing this as we've been going in the in the book of Acts, we've kind of been seeing elements of what we consider to be persecution happening to the early church, to, you know, Peter and and uh and John and the apostles and some of the disciples there. Um, and we've been seeing over these chapters that it's getting more uh, intense, more organized mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Roman officials uh, to this point here where it's severe enough that Luke comments on it and yeah. says that because of this wave of persecution that the believers are scattered. Right. I think what we see prior to this chapter is that that some of the um, – outspoken leaders uh, of the early church were facing persecution. And that's, you know, Stephen had some really harsh words for the religious leaders of the the time and they didn't respond well. And <laughs> and then he was, he was killed. And that's yeah. very similar, but more extreme than what happened to um, the apostles a little bit earlier yeah. to um, uh, Peter and in, in, in the, uh, you, you told the story of their imprisonment and release and, Probably re-imprisonment. Yeah, um, and uh, so we so we see a response to these leaders who are very outspoken and who are not at all afraid to uh, to call out the religious leaders of the day. Uh, that they get they get punished for that. Yeah, but this is next level. Yeah. This is Stephen is killed. Lots of people witnessed that, and now um, now the, the the church at large now everybody yeah. is being. Uh, 
targeted. Yeah. So uh, one of the things we want to ask the question is, why does this happen in the early church? And this will ha- help us think about how this happens in our context. Not And by our context, I'm not necessarily meaning in America, but I'm meaning like in the world today. Right, in this um, contemporary time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, one of the things um, that was really cool from the Asia trip is we got to hear from Dr. Eric Foley. So if you are part of CrossFit, you probably recognize the last name Foley. Uh, you would probably remember uh, Trevor Foley. Mm-hmm who we've had here at Crossview before uh, uh, Pastor Mark and Judy and I were able to travel to South Korea earlier this year and be with Trevor and Eric and their family. So the Foley's, uh, Trevor is our free Methodist missionary in South Korea. Mm -hmm. And Trevor, uh, who is now also Dr. Foley because he just got his doctorate. (laughs) And Reverend, Dr. Reverend, Dr. Dr. Reverend. The Reverend Dr. Trevor Foley. But but in our podcast here, when I say Dr. Foley, I'm going to be talking about Trevor's dad, Eric Foley, who is also a doctor. So just for clarity's sake there. But so Trevor is our free Methodist missionary in South Korea. He and his family... Um, founded what's called the Voice of the Martyrs Korea. There's a number of Voice of the Martyrs organizations mm-hmm. around the world, uh, but Trevor, they're all independent. They, they work together, but they're all independent entities. Um, and uh, Trevor and his family founded the one in South Korea. So they've primarily been uh, working with uh, in South Korea uh, with uh, the persecuted church in Asia, mm-hmm. And uh, with North Korean defectors in South Korea uh, to help disciple and um, and you know present the gospel and a, a, a number of different things, and so it's incredible work uh, that they do, and they get an opportunity to work with and talk uh, to um, a lot of people from the persecuted church all around the world. So they have some firsthand knowledge and some significant stories about what this what this is like, and, and they've learned a lot about the idea of persecution and what that looks like in the world and how that operates and what that um, w- what the effect of that is on on people. One of the things that, so uh, Dr. Foley, Dr. Eric Foley, uh, got to share a little bit from from his experience and perspective uh, why persecution happened. Persecution happened here in the in the in the early church, and then we can draw parallels for our time today. So the first thing that we need to remember, we said this yesterday in the message, is that um, uh, a lot of persecution happens where we start as believers is understanding a, a very an early concept that we talked about, which is that our uh, one of our roles is to be witnesses, mm-hmm. the witnesses of Christ in the world. In fact, Acts chapter one verse eight says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So a primary, we've talked about this a lot, primary role that we have as followers of Jesus is to be witness. We've said to do witness-like activities. Mm. Yeah, and that's a, a primary role of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to, to do that. Yes. Yeah. So when we, uh, what we start then... Uh, with uh, the act of witnessing about what G- who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us, and we go, we ha- we f- have this a spirit empowered invitation to people to faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 
Dr. Foley references uh, 1 Corinthians 15 as just kind of uh, some of the essentials here um, about who Jesus is and what the apostles and disciples were, so, were supposed to witness to, uh, and for us as well. 1 Corinthians 15 is a well-known passage where Paul writes, I've passed on to you what is most important uh, and uh, had also been passed on to me that Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said, he was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter, then by the twelve, and after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Uh, Then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. Pretty cool that this is coming from Paul. Yeah. Because as you mentioned just a few minutes ago, um, when we were first introduced to Paul, his name is Saul. Yeah. And he's he is bearing witness to the 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 um execution of Stephen and he was in full support of it. Yeah. And now here he is saying, I am passing on to you what I have received. Yeah. And then he shares the good news of Jesus. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. And uh yeah, so uh the, this message we see in scripture and we see in our world today is is not always received well by those who hear it because it often is an affront to much of how the world operates. Mm-hmm. A lot of what we talked about here, even just before we were, um, I read a quote from Dr. Michael Bird, an into a New Testament scholar who kind of talks about um, how the the Christians in their day were uh, uh, seen as kind of heretics and fringe and with this message yeah. by the Jewish people even by the Romans, because it's an affront to so much of how the world operated. It's, okay, Jesus is king, not you. <laughs> uh, this is the invitation to reorient your life uh, uh, in in the way of Jesus and give up and surrender everything, all your power, uh, all those things that you hold so precious and so dear. That doesn't always go over very well. No, not at all. And I think that's good to remember is how very um, subversive the message of Jesus is was in that day and how it, we could think of it in a, a similar way today as well. I'm always fascinated by the gospel accounts of Jesus and how um, in in the Bible and how in, in some gospels there's an emphasis on Jesus being the Son of God, like in the Gospel of Matthew. And that's that's where the the Jewish religious leaders would have said, wait, what? That's you're really pushing it because that's heresy to say that this is this is the Son of God. And then in other places, uh, where where on uh, Mark and Luke, um, where there's more of an emphasis on the kingship of Jesus mm-hmm. and that Jesus is king, and that that to the Romans uh, would have said, hang on, yeah. <laughs> the emperor is the is the leader here, and yeah. what are you talking about? Who's this king? Yeah. Uh, and so, really, an affront to both systems under which the church was living. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that absolutely would have caused some pushback that probably yeah. obviously did become very severe. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, it, Dr. Foley shared, and is, this is, I mean, that in, in response to this message, obviously it's an affront to much of how the world operates, that there's really only a couple of options that the world, generalized, yeah. the world, uh, has, which is to accept and receive this message um, of of faith in Jesus in response to God, or to reject it. <laughs> and oftentimes what we see in the world's rejection of the gospel are defensive reactions against the message. Um, and this is often what um, and this is this is kind of some really cool reframing uh, because Dr. Foley's uh, 
message here, things that he's learned from the persecuted church, is it's that the it's that it's these defensive reactions that we perceive here as persecution against the message. Mm-hmm. And this is actually kind of cool to think about this a little bit differently because typically we think about persecution as the as the world gathering all its power and might to overcome and attack the church mm-hmm. to keep the church or people from uh, from uh, talking about Jesus and sharing this message. So that's often what we think of as what happens first is is right. this kind of gathering of strength. And then we also have this perception of maybe it's possible for the world with all its strength to overwhelm and attack the church. Right, right. Like maybe the church won't make it right. because of the power that's against it. Yes. Right. But that's another thing where, where uh, again, a, a lot of this uh, is fresh in, in my mind and in the stories here that we're reading in the book of Acts, because there's something that we need to remember, which is because of Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus' death and resurrection has overcome the power of two things, sin mm-hmm. and the power of the world <laughs> to keep the gospel uh, uh, down. Right. right to stop it from spreading, Jesus Christ has overcome the world, overcome death, overcome sin. In fact, John thirty three says Jesus is saying, "I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world." And then we quoted in this in the R in RSV too because it says, uh, "I've told." told you all of this so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will face persecution, but take courage, for I have already conquered the world. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So. It's already done. It's already done. So there's this really cool, so so to to the reframe in our thinking about persecution is that as as we imagine the world gathering its strength and power to attack the church. It doesn't actually any longer have that strength or power to do anything to the church right? because Jesus has already overcome it. So we connect this with this idea of that a primary role that we have is to be witnesses. Mm-hmm. So we need to be faithful witnesses in this world, no matter what it is that we face, understanding that the world doesn't actually have any power any longer to keep this message from being shared or be, to keep the the life change, um, uh, or to keep people's lives the same. Like this message is life changing and there's nothing that the world can do because of what Jesus has already done. So, uh, when you think about the, the two types of responses that the world could have either accept and receive the message of Jesus or reject it. Mm -hmm. And in rejecting, it tries to defend itself against the gospel because it no longer has the power to overwhelm and overcome the gospel. All it can do is defend itself against the gospel. And when the world defends itself against against the gospel, it it has certain kind of patterns that we find in scripture and that we see in the world that we often see as, understand as persecution or what we generally think of as what happens in persecution. Right. So, but I I hope you're kind of coming along with us in this. Okay, um, the call for us is to be faithful witnesses no matter how the world tries to defend itself against the gospel, right? because we understand that it, it can't overcome the gospel any longer. So we begin to think about persecution differently, right? Right. 
Yeah. So so we're understanding that it is uh, that that persecution here is a uh, a defense against the message of the gospel. Yes. Yeah. So we should think of the church gathering its strength, gathering its might to advance the gospel in the world. Right. Right. That 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 can and does and should happen. Um, and uh, we get to be the proclaimers of the message of freedom from sin and freedom yes. in the world and a renewing of life. Um, right, because we have to remember that the gospel is good news. Yes, it's good news. The poor and the blind and the prisoner and the oppressed and the widow and and, and everybody. The list is pretty long, but the gospel is good news. So exactly. keep that in mind is that's that's what we're advancing here is yeah. good news. You know, it's, so it's really cool because uh, one of the things that um, Dr. Foley will, he's shared some stories about uh, some of the interactions he's had with people from the persecuted church. He shares this really great story of when he was y- a young pastor just beginning this work and yeah. he's meeting with some of these people. And he asked them uh, this question, uh, well, how can we pray for you? And and he, he would say that he had all the kind of, uh, I mean, just this, the perspective, the perspective, like we've got things figured out, you know, we, we got resources, we can help you. And that he was really re- uh, surprised by the response that the, the people from the persecuted church didn't really understand that question in the sense of, <laughs> no, you're not the ones who need to pray for us. We are the ones who need to pray for you yeah, because we are the ones who understand what it means to be a faithful witness in hardship. And uh, whether, yeah, and most coming from our our country or our perspective, our background, we have not experienced that that kind of uh, level of needing to be a faithful witness in the hardship. That's you know that would be even equivalent to some of the people from the persecuted church around the world. Absolutely, and we might even take that a step further and say that uh, there's a, a a visible and notable uh, trend in. Um, in the way that 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 we and I'm just to speak very broadly here, in the way that we respond to the defenses that we do encounter, we're not encountering the same defenses that people in the parts of the world that you're talking about are encountering. Um, are we being faithful witnesses in the face of the defenses that we are encountering, mm-hmm. which um, which can can look maybe smaller, mm-hmm. um, but the call is the same to yeah. remain faithful. And are we that's doing it. that? Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the whole point of this conversation is to to continually ask the question, are we being faithful witnesses to the gospel of Jesus? Are we thinking about all of this properly? And are we being faithful witnesses uh, no matter what it is right. um, uh, that, that, uh, that we face in our, you know, in our personal lives or in the world in general? And, that can get like we're reading in scripture here in the beginning of chapter eight. That can get difficult, right? Yeah. There can be there's levels of magnitude here of defensive type reactions from the world, and so that's one of the things that Dr. Foley would uh, he kind of talks through is that there are some patterns that are recognizable both in scripture but in our world too about some of the defensive reactions that happen in the world, and then we the question is are we going to remain faithful in the witnesses no matter what reactions that we face here right. as we're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. So one of the first things is that um, we see the fir- a first defensive reaction that we see is for the world to just simply ignore the message mm-hmm. <laughs> and just say, okay, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, just, you know, go away. Right. S- stop talking about Jesus. Yeah. Right. Like maybe what we see uh, with Peter and John in the first um, time that they were arrested, they healed the, 
the blind man or they heal the lame man at the beautiful gate. They get arrested and the council is like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Knock it off. Knock it off. Stop talking about this Jesus guy. Just go away. Right. Um, and so the, the question is the danger for the church set aside the gospel and say, okay, well, we don't want to be ignored. So let's talk together about something else mm-hmm. uh, that might be more interesting to you. But, but in that act, we set aside the primary message that we are to carry. Right. There's some nuance. There's obviously nuance to all of this stuff, but just I want to think about these in, uh, you know, kind of really clear terms here. Another level um, of kind of defensive reaction that we might experience or or pattern that we see is uh, so if ignoring the gospel doesn't work, maybe a next defensive reaction or next uh, level here is uh, for the world to attack or ridicule the messengers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we see this happening. in the world today, we also see it in scripture. Um, even just in the story of Stephen, we were talking about beforehand, where St- Stephen, it's he's he's eloquent in his speech, he's wise, he's filled with the Spirit. Um, people don't know how to argue with him, so they bring in people to lie about him and right. make up some stuff and try to discredit him, uh, so that um, you know his message will not be heard. Oh, we saw that even at. Pentecost, right? And and, and well, as people look oh, yeah. at it, said what, they're are drunk. They drunk? Yeah, they're probably totally. drunk. Yeah, yeah, they're probably drunk. Yeah. <laughs> so the question is, will we be will we be uh, faithful witnesses to the gospel if right. that kind of if we experience that type of reaction in the world toward uh, toward the church? Right. And I think we could see this. I, th- these these two levels that you've talked about here are, I think, very understandable in that we uh, like we can recognize the the human nature in this, the humanity in this. Mm-hmm. It is. It is a common defense to mock that which we don't understand. Yeah, right. And right. so people they're gonna, they're going to mock it. They don't understand why the disciples were talking like that when they came out of the upper room. So they're well, they're probably drunk. Yeah, we've got to find a reason for it, right? Yeah. And so mocking is a very cheap but yeah. very uh, common way of of defending against yeah. something that you don't understand. Right. And so again, the danger. For the church is to set aside the gospel and say, "Well, we don't like you that you make, excuse me, that you don't. We don't like that you're making fun of us. So let's talk about something different, right? So that we can uh, find some, you know, that we don't experience that kind of reaction. Um, And so, obviously, again, nuance to all of that, but the the danger is to set aside the core message of who we are, right? Um, So there's a couple of the levels. We're running out of time on our podcast, um, and this is so good to think about. I I just want to encourage you. Dr. Foley has a number of books that he's written, shorter books that are both in Korean and English uh, that talk about this. So I encourage you to go look at those. We'll actually post uh, some of those here on our our resource page on the website. Oh, great. Yeah. A couple other levels here. um, Just maybe I'll just mention one, two more briefly, is that maybe a next level here is that the world will will muster whatever uh, authority it has to to start to use legal means maybe to start to keep create laws against sharing the gospel right. or 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 ban the practices of christianity um, and so it starts to get more intense and more serious right and so the the question is i bet you can't guess what i'm going to say <laughs> is that will we be will the church remain as a faithful witness no matter what i mean we see the, the apostles in the second time that they're arrested in the early book saying, we great, do what you've got to do 
we're going to obey God and not you, <laughs> right. right? We're going to remain faithful witness, even if you ban us from speaking right. the gospel. And then maybe another level is where the world then uh, tortures and arrests and, and, you know, and kills Christians. We, we see the story of martyrdom in, from the beginning of scripture all the way to this very day yeah. in our world. And the question is, will we be faithful witness no matter what it is that we face, understanding that the world has lost its power to overcome the gospel uh, and that what we're seeing are defensive reactions to the message of Jesus. And our call is to be faithful as witnesses to the core message of who Jesus is and what he's done to us or for us, yeah. no matter what. Right. No matter where we find ourselves on that spectrum our call is the same. Yeah. yeah. So, oh my goodness, such like, okay, spend some time thinking about that this week and in your own life. And what does it mean to be a faithful witness to the message of Jesus, no matter what it is you face? Um, and uh, I'm very thankful for the people who work uh, like the Foley's who work yes. with the persecuted church around the world. And we begin to realize that the persecuted church has a lot to teach us about what it means to be faithful in our faith and as witnesses in this world. So good stuff to think about. Encourage you to go get his books and read through that. Spend some time with the Lord. And uh, we hope that this is encouraging Mm -hmm. uh, as we think about what it means to live out our faith. Thanks a lot. See you later. 